Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. So this Sunday uh, begins a time in the church calendar called Lent. And actually, it began on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. It wasn't just Valentine's Day, all right? (laughs) And so the time of Lent is a time of preparation, a time of holding the mirror up to ourselves and to our world, seeing where we've fallen short and resting in the knowledge that God won't leave us this way forever. And so the last time that Ash Wednesday fell on Valentine's Day, which is just so odd, but the last time that that happened was not that long ago. It was 2018. I was preparing for the first uh, season of Lent at my church that I had just started working at the year before, along with my boss, who started working there around the same time as me. So both of us had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we were just trying to figure out what, uh, what Lent looked like, what Ash Wednesday looked like in our context. And, and so we, had, we were just distributing ashes at noon uh, out on the, the, the trail that runs through the town. And we were planning this uh, large community dinner fundraiser so that we could send kids to camp that summer and followed by Ash Wednesday service in the evening. And so while we were running around trying to make sure that we had all the things in place and that we weren't forgetting something, the news broke in the afternoon that there was a shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Maybe coincidentally, but I don't really believe in coincidences. I knew some students that went to Parkland because I met them at camp where we were preparing to send our students to. And so we sat in his office and just kind of stared at each other like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to to handle this? How are we supposed to talk about this? It's like the business of the day halted and the weight of what we were really theologically trying to show the world unfolded in the worst possible way. And then this week, as we celebrated Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day, our siblings in Kansas City experienced a different but similar situation. Violence ensued at the end of the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade. And so the irony of it all, the the tragedy of it all, the mess of it all is not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on you either on a day where we simultaneously celebrate love, but also the frail reality of our sinful humanity and world 
It seems that the frail, sinful reality was what shone the brightest. But perhaps the intersection of these two realities, of, of love and human brokenness, on display for us is a subtle reminder that in the mess of this world, we are not alone. In the mess of this world, it's our togetherness that will allow us to overcome the darkness. And that all of that is true because God created us to live and to love together. And so today we are in the beginning of a sermon series that really began on Wednesday, but if you weren't here on Wednesday, I promise I'm going to catch you up. It's called We Believe in Love. And we're going to be looking at a historic creed of the church called the Apostles' Creed, which lays out the basic foundations of our Christian doctrine and what we're going to be discovering is how all of the things that we believe about God that shape our Christian faith are an invitation to live out a life of love in the world around us. And we're going to anchor this whole discussion in the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote to the Corinthian church, a church that was just a train wreck, just like every other church in the history of mankind. But... They were like, they invented the train wreck, okay? And Paul writes these words to them as they're squabbling over who's coolest and most important. He says, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and have all the knowledge, have all of the faith, so as to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And what Paul is trying to teach the church is that having certain gifts or believing certain things or even having supernatural knowledge it means absolutely nothing if those gifts and those beliefs don't amount to a way of living in the world that communicates and spreads God's love to all people. So essentially, being a Christian is more than simply believing the right things. It's important to believe the right things. But in order to truly live out the life of of a Christian, our beliefs need to spread beyond our heads into our hearts and out through our hands as we embrace the world. And so today we're going to begin by just examining this very first line of the Apostles' Creed. It goes like this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's it. That's where we're stopping today. Aren't you glad? <laughs> But you might be like, hey, wait, okay, that's, that's well and good, but what does this belief have to do with love? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. First of all, please understand this, that we call God the Father because that's a tradition that's been handed down to us from God's relationship to Israel. 
He said, Israel will be like a son to me. God is not an old man in the sky, okay? Unless that man looks like and talks like Morgan Freeman, then I'm on board, okay? (laughs) So don't get so hung up there. The important thing is the words almighty and maker or creator. And what we mean when we say this is that we believe that God is all-powerful, so powerful that God was able to create all that is seen and all that is unseen, the sky and the earth. Basically, if it exists, God's hand is on it in some way, shape, or form. And honestly, as simple as this concept and this statement is, it's one of the hardest things for people who are like trying to figure out if they believe in God, to really wrap their minds around. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like, in the past hundred or so years, we've just really pitted science and theology against each other. But they don't need to be. Heck, if it wasn't for religion, science would not exist. I do not care if you believe that God created the world in six literal days, or if you believe that the world came to exist over a slow process that took thousands or millions of years. And the Bible actually doesn't care either. The point of the Bible is this. However things came to be, God directed it entirely. And so the question I have for you, and coincidentally, the question that the Bible answers, is why? Why did God create everything? Right, we believe that God is perfect, and perfect means complete. God lacks nothing. God didn't like, feel some kind of existential emptiness because he didn't have a bunch of stuff to play with. He didn't feel like he wasn't important because he didn't have any people to gather together on Saturday or Sunday and say, God, you're so important to us. Thank you. So why create the heavens and the earth? Well, the answer to that question lies in who God is. See, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, as Methodists, we believe in this thing called the Trinity, which means that God has eternally existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. So we'll talk about Son and Spirit in the coming weeks. But because God has eternally existed as three in one, God has eternally existed in a community. And that community has eternally existed as a loving relationship between one another. And therefore, God is, in God's very being, God's very identity, a community of love. And because of that love, God decided it would be wonderful to share that love beyond themselves. Are you with me? It's like very philosophical, but God is a community of love. That's like the, the pinnacle teaching right there, okay? So carry that with you. So God is a community of love who decides the community should be bigger. And so God begins creating. The earth is creating it, created in its chaos. Nothing is ordered properly. It cannot support life. 
but God brings it all into order, creates realms of sky, of sea, and of land, and then God populates all of these places with planets and stars and birds and creatures and fish. And that's all well and good, but God's like, you know what? Something is missing here. And so Genesis chapter 1 says these words. This is 1 starting at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals on the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over everything, every living thing that moves upon the earth. And then when we flip the page to like page two of the Bible, we get a second account of creation and we find these words. It says, In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And so here we are, right? God created everything, but there's a problem. There's no one to represent God, to care for the earth that God had created. So God creates humans. It says he picks up dust from the ground and breathes the breath of life, the the very spirit of God into that human. And in that act declared that humanity is the image of God. And these are creatures that are more than everything else that God has made. They possess the very essence of God, a piece of God, the breath, the spirit. And God gives them a task of caring for creation on God's behalf. But in the beginning simply says God made one. And God thinks, maybe this could be a little bit better. So going over to verse 18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper as his partner. And so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept, and then he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
and this one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. An important point here is that God was not satisfied with simply sharing his love with a single human being. God wants love to be shared amongst and between human beings. So God creates out of this first human, out of Adam, a second human being. They are separate people, yet they both share the same flesh. They both share the same spirit of God amongst them. And this means that all humans are created by love to share love. All human beings are intricately connected through our purpose to be vessels of God's love in the world. And that's wildly beautiful and idealistic, isn't it? But you might be asking, like, how, how have we gotten to a point where we are right now, where on a day that celebrates love, violence seems to consistently take the center stage? How do we, as people who believe that God created us out of love and for the purpose of spreading love, live in a world that is so deeply opposite of the love that we are charged with sharing? How do we avoid growing cold, growing hardened towards our broken world? How do we avoid, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, becoming just a simple preamble to a creed of similarly empty words? Well, I believe that it begins with just stopping for a moment, disconnecting from the noise, turning off the news, empty ourselves of talking points and stances, and simply remember that this world, all of this, this mess, all of this good, all of this beautiful, all of this ugly, all of these people, the ones we love and the ones that we love to ignore, the ones that we love to hate, are still God's good creation, created to experience love, created to be cared for by God's image on earth. Just like we've got to stop separating science people and God people using the first two pages of our Bibles, we've got to get the us and them language out of our hearts and out of our mouths. And if we do that, then our hands can truly do the good, good work that God has created us for through love. See, stating that God is the maker of heaven and earth means that heaven and earth are still God's to have authority over. And God's authority means that God gets the final word about that which has been created. And God's final word is that before there was evil, before there was corruption, before sin entered this world, it was good and very good. Creation was good filled with very good people who shared the love and the breath of God. 
And here's the beautiful thing, that even though we know that that's not how things stayed, God is not done declaring that over us. Because of Jesus Christ, we have been given the power to live out that love in defiance of evil in our world. Because of Jesus Christ, the final word about you and me and this whole world will be good and very good again someday. And so, friends, this is our charge this Lent, that in all that we do, that we empty ourselves of the hatred, of the indifference, of the propaganda, of the talking points, of the us versus them that separates us from one another, and simply leave space for love to prevail. After all, we are people who believe that love prevailed on the cross, the cross to which we journey these next six weeks. And wouldn't it be a shame if we let that good gift that was given to us have been given in vain? you've given us a purpose to spread that love to the corners of this earth. And so, Lord, in everything that we do, lead us in your goodness. Lead us in your love. Show us how to exist as beacons of love and light in a world that just seems to be filled with darkness and hatred. Help it be true, that old hymn, that they will know that we are Christians. They will know that we belong to you by our love. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.